The unofficial Shopify podcast is supported by e-commerce bootcamp, a new strategy guide from the hosts of this very show. In it, you'll learn the insider secrets of starting, growing, and marketing a successful Shopify business that supports the life you want. For a free sample chapter and a special offer, visit ecommerce-bootcamp.com today. Hello and welcome to this episode of the unofficial Shopify podcast. Our topic today is user experience, which excites me on any day of the week, um, but it may be boring for other people, and that's okay, because we're going to put a, a slightly unexpected spin on it, since my guest today, who is a UX professional, is internet famous for being drunk. And it'll make sense in a moment, I'm going to let him explain it, there's no way I could do it justice. Um, but if you don't know me, I'm Kurt Elster, Shopify expert, author of e-commerce bootcamp, and uh, user experience and whiskey enthusiast today. And joining me today is Richard Littower of theuserisdrunk.com. Richard, thank you for joining us. Uh, this, is, this, is no, this is no problem. No, I'm, uh, yeah, <laughs> no problem. It's good to be here. Um, thanks a lot for letting me on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Um, so you yeah, tell... I... Go ahead. Go ahead. Um... Yeah, so saying you know, throwing that out there, the userisdrunk.com, that is quite quite the phenomenal domain name. What do you yep. mean and what is it? So the user is drunk is a thing I just randomly started. I had this idea once. Um, I was reviewing a friend of mine's website while I was drunk. He said, Hey, can you just look at this? And I was like, This is this is crap. This is this is wrong and all this stuff. And I realized I was actually giving really interesting advice that I wouldn't normally give. And the reason I was giving interesting advice is because I was drunk, which means that my barriers were down and also that I couldn't really function well. I couldn't read stuff at length and I couldn't really click on things if they were too, you know, too fast or snippy or anything. And I was like, wow, this is a great idea. I should actually just do this for other people. And so I bought the userstrunk.com and sat on it for a while and eventually built this website saying, if you pay me ridiculous amounts of money for this service, I will get really drunk and look at your website and tell you what I think. And the internet liked this um, <laughs> rather surprisingly. Yeah, it was, diff- it was like, uh, well, within certain community, certainly within like designer developer community, this was definitely like a viral thing. Like it had, oh, I yeah. saw it everywhere. Yeah. It got a hundred thousand views basically in the first day. Which um, like, that's the best anyone can hope for. I mean, that's phenomenal. Yeah. It was ridiculous. One of my friends said, you're now one of the most well-known UX designers in the world. And I'm like, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, I, no, that's I, all I, it took. <laughs> I may be. You know, I'm not, definitely not, you know, some Italian guy who lives in, you know, Greenpoint and commutes into Manhattan every day, but works at a really nice design studio. But I'm definitely Richard Tower. Oh, yeah, that drunk guy. Yes. Um, <laughs> which is really funny because I've actually met a lot of people who didn't know me. And then, like, we would be hanging out and they'd mention it and they'd be like, yeah, that was me. And they'd be like, what? Um <laughs> Which is cool. But yeah, so I put it on Hacker News, I put it on Twitter, and it just swiftly went viral. And then I started getting all these orders. People started ordering. Um, And there were a few consequences to people ordering and to it going viral. One of them is that, you know, family members were a bit concerned. Um, Another one is that I suddenly had a lot of money. Uh, Not not too much money. You know, this this is, is I'm not going to retire. And I definitely can't like take a year off of work. But uh, I was traveling at the time, and all of a sudden, it was a lot easier for me to, like, you know, just travel and not worry about where I'm sleeping and be able to afford a bit nicer hotels. So that was really cool. And so the other it thing couldn't have that, come at a better time. Oh, it was great. It was awesome. I was actually, 
with this group of people called Hacker Paradise, um, who are 30 or so remote workers who all come together and we just work at different places around the world um, as like a camp. Okay. We're all working our own stuff, but just together. Um, right, because I think a lot of what a lot of people don't realize is when you start, like, let's just say freelancing, like you're a solo yep. freelancer. Yep. The thing you miss out on is like that office experience, the water, like you don't get water cooler chats anymore. And I, that can I be hard. Yeah, it's really hard. I've been doing remote work generally for the past, my entire career, basically. So past like four years as a web developer, and it gets really lonely. Um, and it gets just really annoying. You, you know, you miss out on various things. And so what I do to supplement that is I go on trips with other people who work. I work at co-working spaces and I hang out in the IRC a lot. I try to add a human element um, to my work life. And the user strong was actually really good at helping this because all of a sudden I had reasons to go out with people. And I actually had to deal with all of my friends that, hey, listen, if you come out and drink with me tonight and I'm working, I'll pay for all your drinks. And they were very <laughs> happy about this. So it was pretty fun. Yeah, it was good. So I would just, you know, go to a bar with some, with some buddies. In it Thailand. didn't even occur to me that like alcohol is now a business expense for you. It is <laughs> tax deductible. Uh, I don't know if that's like legal, like in every state, I feel like it shouldn't be in some or something, but I mean, yeah, I, I would be like, out and I'd spend thirty dollars on beers for six people for the entire night because I was, you know, in Indonesia, and that that could be deductible. So that was pretty cool. Very cool. So how many have you done? I've done somewhere in the vicinity of seventy, probably sixty. Okay. Um, and since, if you're doing the math, I started this in like April. So and that I know you've probably like to yeah. deal with the demand. Um, and like supply and de- like straight up supply and demand issue, you have raised the price over time. Oh, oh, definitely. So it was fifty bucks when I started, Ugh. and people were ordering way too fast. I'm like, I can't. I, I, I honestly can't do this. So I swiftly raised it, and I raised it one, you know, as high as five hundred at various points. Because I mean, to me, that's actually a pretty good service. I mean, for larger companies, five hundred is a drop in the bucket. And if yeah, I'm giving if, you feedback, exactly. That and never had before. Like if you're, yeah, you're giving them a new perspective on it. Absolutely. Totally. But like that advice, you know, when it's, it's actionable like that, um, you know, you're, you're going to boost their conversion rate. Like let's, we'll use e-commerce yep. and Shopify as an example, but you know, yep. if the, if it's $500 and you burst, boost their conversion rate from, you know, say one and a half to even one and three quarter percent, you know, and they're getting a thousand hits a day like that. Okay. You paid for it in a couple hours. Exactly. And that's an amazing service. Um, for some people, like some art students and stuff would write in and be like, Hey, can I have a discount? And I'd be like, yeah, you can pay me 50 bucks. And like, you know, I, I mean, it was fast and loose cause I didn't really care. This isn't my main job. Right. I mean, my main job is UX and development, but definitely not getting drunk. And I don't want it to be either. <laughs> um, and I said, I did around 70. That isn't 70 nights of straight drinking. That's, I would do like three in one night and then take a few days off. That's you know? yeah. So I, that's probably the smart was, way to do it. Yeah, yeah I mean, I had to be careful. I have a liver, and I like it, and I <laughs> want to keep it, so. Yeah, you don't want to suddenly develop a uh, an interesting alcoholism problem as a result of your overly successful. I mean, I already have an interesting alcoholism problem, but I don't want it to become an interesting alcoholic problem, so. So one yeah. of the things that I wonder, you have, um, so like some are posted and some aren't. Is that just, do you give them a discount for letting you post it? Do they, uh, no, do they opt I in s- and out? I straight up uh, email it and say, I ask people, can I post this? Okay. And if anyone says no, I just don't post it. Had I been smarter early on, I would have said, I'll post this unless you give me $200. Um, but I didn't do that. And I, I think I'm okay with that because generally the ones I don't post are the ones where, so there's been probably 10, 15 of those. 
where it's interesting. A majority caught, of people want yeah. you to share it. Definitely, definitely. Almost like it's a badge of yeah. honor that they did this. Yeah, yeah. And some people actually, it was a marketing ploy, like straight out, like we right. I mean, if you have a hundred thousand, like, so it's I'm sure it's not like that now, but in the first day you had a hundred thousand hits. I'm sure it's still a popular site. I mean, yep. really, if you can, if they can get that video in there, it is a very um, like it's a high engagement thing, totally. um, but it's free advertising for them. Yeah, yeah. And I actually had a sponsor as well, um, who would pay me a, a tiny bit amount of money for each interview. What I would just say at the very beginning, if I was in North Carolina, I'd be using Brew Public, and I've since met their entire company, and they're awesome. They uh, deliver beer to your door, so I'd mention them in every podcast, and you know, it, it was actually there were some things where mentioning stuff in certain ways was very good for the companies I reviewed. Interesting. Um, but, some, but some of the reviews were, were not good. I mean, there was one review I sang for like a minute. And I was I was singing like Mountain Goats, like punk. <laughs> and, and I was, was kind of screaming. And, and, you know, they didn't never, never got back to me. And I can't really blame them. They're kind of probably embarrassed that they hired me. But I didn't post that interview. You know, you're not going to see it anywhere. But it's, it's out there somewhere. But you're never going to see it. So I see you've won. You even have uh, you did two for meh.com. You've taken yeah. Two. So sometimes I would redo one. Um, so that one I like couldn't do something because I was too drunk and I couldn't like put in my credit card details. So I just did it again the next night. Um, <laughs> and there's there's actually a few times where I just straight out messed up. Like I reviewed the wrong site. And initially, <laughs> so really, you want to set this yeah. up before you start drinking? Yeah. No, I, I have a big streamlined process now where like I make sure okay. like it's very easy. For drunk Richard, because like I used to feel really bad, you know. Oh my, I can't even get this right. What am I doing with my life? My mother was right. I am worthless. I don't. But then I finally realized, wait, like, literally, they hired a drunk dude. Like, yeah, you like, said it's sort of like a little angry. bit of imposter syndrome. It sounds like you're experiencing, but it's like <laughs> a no, tiny bit. A tiny the bit. fact that they did that is like clearly you're winning at something. If you've gotten a man, if you've gotten someone to give you money to do this, but also they can expect me to fuck up and they have to, you know, be able to deal with that. And I'll just do it again. I don't mind doing it again, you know, have it in the night out. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, no, I mean, that's yeah. a, that is a really good way to look at it is you're like, yeah. well, it's fun either way. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do the work and I'm going to love it. And that's, what's so cool about it. Yep. But I've so, recently, I've recently pretty much stopped it. Like I, I put it on hold. I, I don't take open orders anymore. Um, people can still email me and ask me if I want to do it. Like, I'm oh, okay with that. so previously you did, it was just like a pay button. And if yeah. so, anyone paid, no matter what it was, you were going to do it. Anyone paid. I even did a porn site also not posted. <laughs> um, for the best. Yeah. But now it's, you know, if you want to get in touch with me and that's because I, I simply don't have the drinking culture I did before. I was okay. living with travelers. I was traveling around right now. I live with my cousins in Boston and Cambridge and I have a lot of friends here. I have a lot of books here. And it's just not the kind of place where I go out and party. Right. Um, and so I'm not interested. I just I just don't want to do it. It doesn't sound like a fun time to me, regardless of the money. Um, so I just put it on hold. You know, some people I may I may do some more in the future, but for now it's basically basically done. So if someone were to get drunk themselves and yeah. attempt to use their own website, is that valid user testing? Uh, yeah, technically, uh, the issue with that is that you're not unbiased. You know, right. Yeah. It's, it's it's your own website. Like you you know it. You built it. You'll much more likely to be like, yeah, I know, but that's a feature. That's not a bug. That's a feature. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You can't. So yeah, two problems happen. You can't see the forest through the trees. And yep. unlike literally everyone else, you spend more time on your own website than other sites. Totally. Literally everybody else spends more time on other people's websites. Yep. So there's you know that's why you want 
you know, that's the advantage in having Richard, having this independent third party look at it. Now, there's yep. two views on user testing is one, get a, a user experience professional look at it. And hopefully with their, their great experience and knowledge, they'll be able to pick out the easy stuff. Or yep. get someone, the average person in your target market who's never seen your site before to figure it out and like yep. watch them go through it. Yep. <sighs> Which is the right way? Both and neither. Um, because neither of them are, are, are useful by themselves, right? I mean, I could build a website for a 25-year-old and then get my friends to go through it. But if really most of my clients are going to be 35 or something or something different, then that's not a useful sample. You, okay. want, to, you want to actually scientifically, as much as possible, remove the human and add the math, you know, figure out like what's really good about this site, what's going to have the best conversion rates, what's going to make it easiest to understand, what's going to make them not go away. Um, and, you know, use as many things as possible within your budget, basically, um, if possible outside of it, you know, be creative. Um, if you're creative enough, you can probably get hired and build a different website on your own. Hmm. All right. So throw, some, sense? throw some tools at me. Um, so there's a few things. I think VWO does like code snippets and stuff where they'll do A-B testing really simple, simply for you, which is really sweet. Right. Um, other tools, there's actually a website you can go on. I Drunk usability tests, Google that. Um, it's not mine, but someone else had made a tool which shakes up your screen and makes it look like you're actually drunk even though you're sober. So it like moves elements around on the page and kind of makes it a bit confusing. And that's that's hilarious. I, I love that. Um, yeah, it's, you're right. That one is drunkusertesting.com, the first yep. usability testing tool that tells you how your site performs in the wild. So it's actually a testing tool. It's actually, you know, it's not a drunk person. It makes you the drunk person. Oh, yeah, no. You, it, the hangover. It does like crazy time uh, yep. transitions on your page, and then you have to try and fight your way through it. <laughs> yep. it's kind of, it is cool. Yeah, drunkusertesting.com. Um, and there are also a lot of yeah. different companies out there which you can get you know, user testing from, um, even stuff like Fiverr. You know, just hire someone to look at your site and get their responses. But it is it is generally good to go through and try and find, you know, a qualified UX designer to, to give you these things. Right. And the thing, I, I think the things you're looking for, are like, what's every point of friction? Like, where's where are barriers to entry? Yep. Like, because anything yep. that makes it the slightest bit difficult, your biggest competition is the back button, right? Yep. Like, I'm just going to go back to Google and find the next thing and see if that one doesn't suck. Totally. Like, why should 100%. I put up with trying to figure out your shitty website. Yep. I think that like, and that's the mentality, like that sounds rough, but that's the mentality you have to have and you have to adopt. Oh, that, that's how humans work. You know, we invest in something. If it doesn't have what we want, then we drop it. Um, so try and make your user not do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mean, it's like, it, it sounds like such an oversimplification, but it isn't. Like it yep. isn't, it isn't. Like, yeah, it's hard to know. Like if, until you're really experienced with it, you know, it's tough to know what, what those barriers and those points of frictions are, but it is yep. just that simple. Like if, you know, if, if the, if not redirecting people to cart on add to cart is causing a problem, then like click the radio button that changes that in Shopify. And totally. you have now like radically improved your, um, uh, your reach checkout percentage. Like it, it really is stuff that's simple, you know, well, and that's even, a lot even of what smaller I do. Stuff than that. Even stuff like, you know, is your paragraph descriptions of this product too long? Right, and you wouldn't uh, you pick know. up on that unless you're well, unless you're drunk, and you're like, "Well, shit, I can't read this." <laughs> like, I don't want to exactly, read this. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, and sometimes it could it could just be literally like, yeah, maybe it's a it could be a readability problem. Like, all right, let's focus on getting better typography, which is you know one yep. of my my fantasy things I love doing. 
and yep. uh, or like break up the sentences or maybe we just got too poetic and we channeled Hemingway and we need to have like more clarity in these paragraphs. Channeling Hemingway wouldn't be bad. It's channeling, you know, Proust that's bad. You just Good point. you know. And actually you don't there's want, like um, purple proofs. Have you seen uh Hemingway app? I have seen that. That's yeah, awesome. that's very cool. It's it, a yeah. uh so for people who don't know it's like um it's a proofreader, it's a grammar checker, but it like try it tries to find sentences where it's like all right, you need to be more concise. Yeah, you need to it's write very minimal. It doesn't work very well for code stuff, but it works pretty well for prose. So if you yes. have like a lot of chunked prose that you just, you know, like if you had like a file of all the different product descriptions you have for your site and they're just there in paragraphs, put that through Hemingway and then see what it comes out with. Um, and then later you can use work those into actually your, your, your store, make it work. That's, uh, I actually never thought of doing that. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it's a good idea. Um, I've done it with like individual fit. Like, all right, I'm writing about page, like throw the about page in there and see what comes back. I've never just done it in like a batch with, you know, let's grab a CSV of the product descriptions, throw that in and see what comes back. That's I mean, all, also like that, anything where there's friction, right? So anything. yeah. And the product description could be that point of friction. Cause that's where I'm going to get the information from that. I need to make a decision of whether or not I'm going to buy. Yep. I was reading this book recently. Uh, it's by Donald Hall. It's called, Essays after 80. He was a poet laureate. Um, it's not a UX book in any way. It's about him living on his farm in New Hampshire. But he said that, you know, he's, he's after 80 and he sits and writes all day. And he says some of these essays he's rewritten like 60 times. And, I mean, that's how you become a master in something. Right. You know, I think editing for three hours is a massive achievement. And I've done something amazing. But really, like... To become a really good master at, at prose and understanding, you know, even websites or, or products, you know, what's going to separate you now from you in 30 years if you're doing the same thing? It'll be the reworking. It'll be the simplifying. It'll be the breaking things down and dividing them up and thinking, how could this be done better? And on every level, right? It's all in the details. Yeah. And that's so what I, separates me. So, yeah, yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Like, you know, whether you're trying to be a, a better person, build a better website or a better business, I think fundamentally it comes down to, you know, how often, how quickly and effectively can you revise and iterate? Yep, exactly. You know, and that even literally like, you know, you could do that for yourself, like start a journal and go to therapy. You are now revising and iterating on yourself. Yep. <laughs> like, so you could exactly. do it in all kinds of ways, all kinds of places. Um, okay. But, but back to UX. Um, so do you have, um, you know, one of the things I bang on about um, is positioning, like finding mm. unique selling uh, position, figuring out your product market fit. Is that a important part of UX? It's definitely an important part of UX. Um, it's marginally an important part for drunk UX. So when when you're drunk, you you definitely go to the easiest thing on the page. You know, just like what's what's big? Oh, that's really wow, cool. Look at that. <laughs> Um, and that happened to me a lot where like I'd see a big start button or a big green buy now and I like go there and I wouldn't even read the text because I just couldn't be bothered. Um, it, positioning is massive. And there's also stuff to positioning that's also important. Like uh, I'm sure you've heard of above the fold right. or below the fold. Um, that's really important. You know, trying to figure out what's going on when your user first hits the site, what they're going to see, how can you structure the website so that even without scrolling, they know what you want and they know what they want and how to get it. But there's also... Other things with positioning that are equally important that a lot of people don't think of because they have one mindset, which is desktops, because that's where we develop. But mobile, you know, how is the mobile going to look? How is the iPad going to look? And what do you test across multiple points? devices or one? Um, 
I try and test across everything, basically for everything I do. For a user is drunk, uh, run half the times I would remember to actually go through and look at the mobile. Um, <laughs> Which because, you know, it's it interesting because, you know, at this, well, with like Shopify anyway, we know it is like a 50-50 split. You know, yep. where half people are on mobile, half people are on desktop. And it's growing. Like, I'm sure by the end of this year, without a doubt, it'll be mobile is the majority now. Yep. But that's such a broad term. Like, the experience on an iPhone 6 is different than a 6 Plus is different than, like, the three or four different iPads. It's completely different. Yeah, um, so saying, like, mobile it really means, you know, an entire myriad of devices. And there's a lot of things that come with that. You know, it's not just positioning, but also, you know, how how heavy is your page? Um, how big are your pictures? It's oh man, there's another thing I bang on about, definitely um, performance. Yeah, so definitely. what would be a good, what's your threshold? Do you have a benchmark for like, this is a good load time or this is a good page size? I do not, mostly because recently I've been doing a lot of contentless websites, which I, that's the name I'm starting to call them, where I just build like a single static frame and there's no links anywhere and nothing happens. And I put all the images on a CDN and I'm basically done <laughs> because I don't have to deal with any big JavaScript libraries anymore. But for other people who actually have to deal with this stuff, um, if you have like a big web app, you know, two seconds has, has to load under good quality. Um, another thing that I've been thinking about recently is any any number you hear like that generally works off the assumption that they actually have good internet. I was going to say, yeah. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really hard. You know, what do I do when I only have one bar in 4G? Can I build a website that's going to be interesting if the person can't see anything but CSS and HTML? And the answer is, yeah, you can do something. Like, trust me. But the answer is, you know, how are we going to do it and whether, you know, it'll really achieve our market objective. So who knows? That's one of those, it's interesting, like you say that, you know, you can always tell, um, like very uh, experienced designer developers, their websites are always so stark. Like they're really stripped down. Yep. Um, and a good example, uh, like Jonathan Stark, who did Jonathan's card um, many years ago, that guy, for a while, he tried um, doing an idea where the website literally had no CSS and there was just like a note about <laughs> how this was for mobile performance. And cool. he was like, yep. and then he just added only enough CSS to make it presentable. And then was like, yep. okay, I'm done. And yep. I wish like more people would do that and be less afraid because it makes it like, I, it's easier on you to make. It's easier yeah. to use. Like, it's just easier all around, but I think there's this pressure, a lot of people feel this pressure of like, oh, you have to, especially if you're early, like, I need to make this really beautiful, gorgeous website, and it has to do all these things, you know, and what really, what people are comparing themselves against is like, they're like, oh, it has to be like Apple. Well, if you look at Apple's website, there's actually not a lot going on there. It's just these really phenomenal product photos and really great yep. copy. <laughs> like, there's actually not so, you know, there really isn't a lot of stuff thrown in there design It looks like a billboard. It looks like what you can get while driving past at 15 miles an hour. Yes. And that's what you want your website to look like because that's what the user's going to be doing, if not 60 miles an hour, right? Yeah, because you have like 10, if you're lucky, you have 10 seconds for them yeah. to decide if they're going to go forward or not. So build stuff like that. I mean, Apple also has the massive advantage of having everyone know their product already. Because they've been doing this for years. Yeah, you're not doing, um, you're not introducing anyone to a new product with them. No, we we know who Apple are. They sell apples, right? <laughs> yes, so, Macintosh apples. <laughs> oh, the best kind, so tasty. Um, Don't get me started. Uh, I have strong products. opinions on on apple varieties. Honeycrisp is my favorite. Ooh, Honeycrisp. Yeah, I, I like the the, the Jeffersonian hand. apple. Ooh, you have, you actually have one. This is you an. I have apple. a Honeycrisp apple. <laughs> <laughs> This is my number one favorite. Number two is Pink Lady. And then I recently discovered that these are actually made by the same man. 
That is awesome. I could talk for like for an hour about apple varieties. Um, okay, so there's all right. So you had said um, you know you want to make it like fast and easy. You want um, you know like if you're drunk, you're going to click the biggest, brightest thing on the page. So sort yep. of like shiny object syndrome. Um, and you want it, you know, it's got to load quickly, not be confusing, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the ways to do that is rather like the improvement is stripping away the stuff that's not essential, right? Yep. Okay. The struggle, though, that people have is how do you know what is and isn't essential? Um, so you can do – that's what user tests are for. User tests help with that a lot. You know, what you can do, again, is A-B testing really helps a lot. Um, A-B testing, if you're not familiar, is basically putting two versions of your website, one for one group, another for another group. And you see how their experience differs. You know, how, what, what the drop-off rate is if you delete that paragraph. Is it actually more or less? So you can actually do these tests on your users, um, a la Facebook. Uh, not, not that evilly, though. Just, you know, implement some code challenges to see, or some code changes in your website, and then see how your users respond to that. Um, that's a really, really good thing to do. User testing also helps that if you actually have, like, a small coterie of, of users that you can have look at your website and then judge their their reactions to things, to different parts of the website or to different versions, that really helps. Um, so like a, a VIP list of people where you're like, hey, yep. you're like my, my core audience. You know, we've got a good relationship developed now. And here I'd love it if you would be my guinea pig and tell me what you think of this A website. lot of people do that with, with beta versions of, of newer websites, right? So every now and then, for instance, Levels.io releases a new thing. He's building all the websites like Nomad Hotspots and Nomad Travels. And he has a little group of people who can look at beta versions. And so you want to get in that group because then you can be like, oh, okay, I don't like this, I like this. And then he's like, sweet, send me the bug on Twitter. Um, and that's sort of, that's one way of doing it, especially if you have a larger use group, you can do that with your actual users. Otherwise, you might have to hire a different service and there's a lot of services. And what's cool is that's also like a really great like community development tool, like where oh, you're really incredible. engaging people and building you know, real yep. relationships at that point. Totally. And you can also offer them discounts and things, which again, help with conversion in the long run. It might actually not be discounts because then they will be repeat customers. Yeah. Yeah. The, where the you're goal. like, you have engaged them in this, like in this community way and they end up like, yeah, you're adding value to their lives and then vice versa. They'll become, you know, you're increasing the lifetime value of that customer, but it starts with which, you're increasing the value to them. It does. Yeah. It's got to. So, and actually I'm scrolling. So you wrote a wonderful, um, uh, well, two posts now, I think, on the Shopify Partners blog. And one is um, 10 things I learned by about UX by being drunk, of course. Uh, and I just got to number seven. Not every site needs to be flashy. And it's a screenshot of a site which what looks like the CSS is just gone, blown out. They just didn't have any. I, I, I love that guy. That guy was – Jeffrey Picard is, is, my, is my man. I've never met him. I think I talked to him once on email. But, like, this student sent me his website. It's just a blog with no CSS. And I just started laughing for like 20 seconds. I was just laughing my head off because it was just perfect. Yeah, that's really all you need for some websites. And you know um, what's funny is like from an accessibility standpoint, that's actually significantly better. Like if oh, the no, site it's, works it's like that, then it's going to be perfect for, you know, like use with a blind reader for anyone who has um, like visual yeah. problems where they want to be able to set their own font and zoom. And obviously this has the best contrast. The site would probably work on Nokia's if they had internet access in like Kenya. Oh, that's the other thing, yeah. So as far as, like, cross-device, yeah, like, oh, your site doesn't have CSS? Guess what? It now works on everything and (laughs) is responsive on top of it. I think people don't realize that. Like, you make it, like, 
by adding the styling, you're making it not responsive. So just strip that really, styling out, it just works. There's a really good text about that, uh, a post by a guy called Justin Jackson, who's a marketer. And he wrote this post, this is the website, it's responsive. Uh, it was on Hacker News, Hub Hacker News, like two years ago, and he gets a lot of hits to it. Um, but it was just beautiful. It's just text, and you're just talking about how words are actually the definition of the internet, and words are what's important. And a responsive, beautiful website isn't hard to make. So we should just do that more. Um, I actually ran into this yesterday. I, I bought a Chromebook to be a, slight, a small little dev machine for me. Okay. Um, it's, you know, 250 bucks. But Chromebooks, you know, you have to be online, you have to be connected to Google, but you can actually use a, an extension to access the shell. So I installed Ubuntu inside a virtual machine inside this Chromebook, and then I installed Node and Go and Ruby and Git, and, like, now I basically have a dev shop. But the Ubuntu doesn't have – it has a web browser that's just horrible. It was – I went to GitHub, and it was so bad that I was just – I was confused. I had to I had to Google how to do something without using the browser because I just couldn't do it on the machine in any way. Oh my god! Um, and it was just really fascinating remembering there are actually hundreds of browsers. There's not just Chrome, and there's not just Firefox. There are more, and we always forget that because you know Chrome and Firefox and IE and Safari make up you know the the most of the market, but there are actually more than that. So for some small percentage of people that might actually matter that you don't have this whole extra stuff. So why build it? Yeah, no, you're right. Like you're just, essentially you're just, you're making your life, the more features and shit you throw at this website, all you're doing, it's going to load slower. It's going to be harder yep. to maintain. It's going to be yep. less accessible, work across for your devices and generally like in general, be more annoying. Like the number yep. of like that occasionally I'll, we'll get that where someone with a Shopify store will say, Oh, my website's so slow to load. And I know, like, one of two things have happened. Either they uploaded, like, a 10 meg ping as a carousel, which I hope that's what happened because it's an easy fix. Or it is, like, they they suffered app-itis and installed, like, 27 different apps. And now there's totally. so much redundant JavaScript that this thing, like, cripples your computer. Yep. Or which, they're not using things um, as developers they could be using, like minifiers uh, or compressors. Or they're not rem removing dead CSS classes or removing dead packages that they're not using anymore in their JavaScript. Yeah, and that's you know like it's getting more technical than than this audience um, probably would, would appreciate. But <laughs> no, it's okay. That goes back to you know a thing we've discovered many times is not all themes are created alike. Like they're not. You what people don't realize is yeah there is wildly varied. Um, levels of like proficiency with developers and probably like performance optimization is one of those like last things as a developer yep. that you start doing so yeah i mean they're like sometimes we'll we'll work hack on a theme that's like oh boy <laughs> like with yeah, experience I, you could you could tell i've started every time i build my website now i started actually with performance first so i try and think like what can i remove uh what now what can i build and I try and make sure I'm not adding extra dependencies and try to make sure I'm not adding extra stuff because I've seen my website go from five, you know, five seconds slowed down to like one right now. And I'm pretty happy about that. And I like that a lot more. It doesn't matter how pretty it is. If it loads fast, I think I feel like it's good. It's a, um, yeah, and it's kind of fun. It's like addictive in uh, like a golf game kind of way where you just want is. to get the lowest, lowest score possible. Yeah. And um, you can't actually win. I mean, you can't ever get to zero. It's just not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> So. No, yeah, but you're right. I think like two seconds is probably the right threshold. But again, you get into that issue, like same deal where, you know, it's like, okay, I've got this crazy fast broadband. Well, this I live in a major city. Mo like outside of major cities, yep. you don't get access to crazy broadband. Like your 
you know, and everywhere I go, I have LTE on my phone. Okay, well, as soon as I leave a major city, I probably go back to 4G and it starts yep. getting spottier. Like, that's the thing you want to test for. Yep. Um, and I know there's some tools where you can, like, throttle your own bandwidth. Um, yeah. But that's like, you know, if you've got some great connection, it's easy to be like, oh, everyone has a good connection. No, broadband is, like, totally not a democratic thing yet. It is not in any way, especially if you're working <laughs> with international um, international clients. Or right, international it get, yeah, it gets much worse. Yep. Um, yeah, and especially with, you have more, like, you'll get... You know, if your audience skews younger, you're going to get more people on mobile and possibly more people with, well, like cheaper internet connections. You know, a good thing to do is um, if, if you're not sure and you don't want to download a throttle, just bring your computer to Starbucks next time you're there and then try loading it. Um, That's a really good idea. Or like Dunkin' Donuts, you know, like go, yeah, go, go, go use some lousy public Wi-Fi. And just see, see how it works, you know, because that might be what happens when users go on your website. What would be OK? So, so what would be a good benchmark for like a fast loading site then? Uh, I'd say on a bad connection, you know, four or five seconds. Um, if, if it loads, go to a blog you like, go to like money mustache or something, you know, go to a random, just normal blog, not Facebook. They pay very smart people millions of dollars. They do stuff out. unbelievably extraordinary things. Um, and not Google and not Twitter, but like go to something else, you know, go to, Go to your friend's website. And if you load faster than that, generally that's your goal. Shopify has some really cool stuff going on where, you know, some of the developers are actually working on it. Shopify themselves would have a vested interest in making sure that all their clients and everyone who's actually on their program has fast websites, right? Right. So Yeah, there's a CDN built into it that like totally, you don't have yeah. to think about and So um, you should be better. Yeah. So like, you know, five seconds. If if the internet's really slow that day, just try and load better than most of the other average sites you see. You can't find an average site, Google Paleo Cooking. Because they're horrible. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Uh, okay. So we definitely we went longer, but it's because it's a topic I love. Um, so we've got, you know, five minutes left. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts on what people should be doing um, to improve usability of their website, uh, to get drunker, whatever it is, <laughs> or anything you want to plug for that matter? Uh, just keep it simple. Um, I always keep it simple. I'm, I'm kind of a minimalist. But I don't think that's a wrong thing. I don't think that's a fad. I think that uh, the, the easiest you can make your site for people to actually use, you know, the easier they're going to use it and the more money you're going to make or time on site or emails saying, I love you. Can I have your children? Um, and those emails exist. I've gotten them. It's weird. I kind of spam them. But anyway, <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I say that a lot, you know, just easier. I feel like a lot of my advice is kind of uh, Mac, you know, just very normal almost koanic koan like things but uh just just keep it simple uh, i agree i, I mean like yeah simplifying it trying to there's so much cruft uh that people like yep. end up especially like a website that's been around a few years like there's band-aids and weird fixes and strange things that happen be it like a response to one customer's weird issue you know that yep. kind of thing um yep. yeah <laughs> or so. uh, re remove the lens flare in the, in the kittens because you don't you don't really need them I like the kittens, um, though. Okay, you can keep the kittens. Yeah, lens flare but, will go. The kittens are staying. Goodbye, J.J. Abrams. Um, anyway, yeah, so as far as plugging things, uh, I just redesigned my website last week. I really like it. Which one? And uh, burntfen.com. That's Fen, F-E-N. And I have a new mailing list I'm starting where I talk about philosophical things and development together at the same time, and I don't know 
how useful it's going to be to people, but I'm really enjoying it. So if you guys want to sign up for my newsletter, that'd be cool. So 100%, I think, yeah. So uh, and where do people sign up for your newsletter? Is that burnt uh, you, you go down. It's in the, the black section. It says, listen. Um, I may need to change my website to make that clear. Right now, I'm not prioritizing it, but uh, if I had to plug anything, that'd be that. Okay. And otherwise, I'd be plugging, you know, hey, it's it's holidays. Go, go be with your family. Have fun. So the, all right, so I think uh, next steps, sign up for Richard's newsletter, Letters from Richard. Richard writes about nomadism, being an entrepreneur, coding projects, writing, etc. Yep. You seem like an interesting dude. Thanks. You seem like an interesting fellow. (laughs) Our program was produced today by Paul Rita. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.